0: Let me ask you a question. Do you ever put together, like, if you're taking a road trip, you ever put together a playlist that you like to just listen to when you're taking a long drive? You know, like, for us, our family, we take an annual pilgrimage down uh, to the beach sometime in May, usually, and uh, it's a long drive, right? And we got three kids, and so it's like this whole thing. And sometimes we take a couple days if we're going to Florida. Um, and and uh, so, so my wife, I, she'll hit her playlist. She's a lot more spiritual than I am. So usually her playlist is all like worship songs, you know? And so we're like worshiping, we're jamming out. And then it'll be my turn, and I put my center list on, right? And so we jump in and it's usually like 90s grunge music. I'm trying to, I'm trying to indoctrinate my kids because they think like today's music is good. I'm trying to show them it's really in the, the 90s is where it's at. That's where the that's the last generation of great music. We're going we're gonna to have a riot here, but, but so I'll, I'll play some 90s grunge. I don't think they fully appreciate it yet, but as they mature in the Lord, I'm hoping that they'll see that. And, uh, and sometimes we'll even throw on some classics, like I'll try to, I've introduced them to Leonard Skinner, I've introduced them to, to the Eagles, maybe a little Bob Marley on the way down to the beach, just to set the mood right. And again, they, they don't always appreciate all of those playlists, but as they mature in their faith, I'm sure that they will. But man, we we tend to love these playlists, especially for a road trip. Well, listen, the Hebrew people in Old Testament times were no different. Right? They had song lists for their journeys as well that ultimately were intended to point their hearts to God as they uh, were on a pilgrimage. So today we're we're starting a brand new series called Ascent in the Book of Psalms. If you're familiar with the Bible, Psalms is the longest book in the Bible, 150 chapters. Uh, so, so we're not, we're not going to go through all 150 chapters verse by verse. We'd uh, be in that series until Jesus comes back. But we are going to be looking at a small grouping of the Psalms. So kind of like think of a, a book within a book. And, and this section that we're going to be looking at is known as the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent, that's 15 Psalms. starts at Psalm 120, it ends at Psalm 134. These are all really short, pithy psalms, or easy to read, easy to memorize. And uh, we'll probably actually only look at about half of them in this series. We may do a Ascent Part 2 series next summer or something like that. But, but here's what I've, I've noticed in my faith journey. As I've been following Jesus now for 22 years or something uh, in that neighborhood, and maybe you've noticed this as well, as I've gotten older, I tend to gravitate towards the psalms when I don't know what to read. Right? That's that's just me. Like if I don't have a reading plan and I'm like, man, I need to spend some time in the word today, I tend to gravitate towards the Psalms. Now don't get me wrong. Um I love the gospels, I love the pastoral epistles, I love the Torah, I love I love the minor prophets, the major prophets. Man, I love all of those things. It's all God's word, it's all beneficial for us. But man, if I just don't know where to go, I just tend to find myself drifting back again and again to the Psalms. I just I, I love the Psalms, and I think the reason why is that the Psalms tend to take what we're feeling and filter those feelings into words that we can then pray to God or sing to the Lord. And the thing that I love about the Psalms is they tend to be real, very real, very raw, very truthful, beautiful, full of praise, lament, frustration, pain, celebration, praise, all of that just kind of mashed together, kind of like... Our lives, right? Because our life isn't one or the other, right? It's a con- just a combination of all those things, and that's exactly what the book of Psalms does for us. So, some have called the Psalms psalmotherapy. That's what it does for us. It gives us, Psalmotherapy, and I, so I think that we we need a little psalmotherapy in our life, especially for some of y'all out there with your frowns on this morning. You need a little psalmotherapy this morning. So we're going to start that, and uh, we're going to be in this for about about eight weeks or so. Now, here's a really cool thing about these fifteen little psalms: is they were likely, Bible scholars believe, likely sung by Hebrew pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem three times a year for the great worship festivals. Right, So you had a, a springtime festival, you had a summer festival, you had a, a fall festival, and so they would travel to Jerusalem three times a year to worship God. Now, if you, I don't know if you know this or not, but topographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in the region. So Jerusalem is actually about, sits about 3,000 feet, almost 3,000 feet above sea level. So actually higher in elevation by quite a bit than than Asheville is. And so when, when spiritual pilgrims traveled to these worship festivals in Jerusalem, they spent almost the entire journey ascending upward to Jerusalem to worship God. So these 15 psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent because people sing them on their way up to Jerusalem. Now you should also know that Jerusalem in Old Testament times especially was seen by the people of God literally and metaphorically as the place where God's presence dwelled, Right? So we think about the temple in Jerusalem, we think about the holy of holies inside of the temple, the the dwelling place of God with his people. And so, guys, listen, as we go through this series the next eight weeks or so, we think about the concept of ascending. I don't want you to think about ascending to a city that most of us have never been to, that's like you know thousands of miles away to a temple that most of us have never been to. I want you to think about ascending to the heart of God and into the presence of God as we explore these psalms together. Uh, these, are, these are songs of pilgrimage. That's what they are. Now, if you're wondering, well, man, how is this relevant to me? This was like thousands of years ago as people traveled to Jerusalem to enter the presence of God. Like none of those things are are relevant to my life in 2023. Here's why this is relevant to you. The human experience is a pilgrimage, is it not? And, And I would argue that the Christian life, especially, particularly, is a lifelong pilgrimage. I'd argue it's a it's a journey back home, right? That's why the writers of Hebrew thirteen says, "For for here in this world we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come." And see, I would argue that one of the reasons that most of us find that we're never really fully satisfied in this world, in this life, is listen, guys, because we're not home yet. We're not home yet. We're we're on a journey, right? We're we're pilgrims ascending to the heart. In the presence of God. And these Psalms, I believe, are going to help us along the way in that journey to the heart of God. Now, you're going to notice that as we open this uh, series, we're going to open with Psalm 120. And in that scene, uh, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. We see a pilgrim in distress. right? So it kind of, kind of starts uh, on, on a bit of a dark note. But, but we're gonna finish out the Psalms of Ascent in Psalm 134 with a pilgrim at home, in the temple, in the presence of God, worshiping him, right? These, these Psalms have been called stepping stones to the heart of God, a journey back home. So I just wanna invite you over the course of the next eight weeks to take this journey with us, a journey of the soul. I would encourage you, as you can, read ahead. So if we're, if we're tackling Psalm 120, guess which is the next psalm we're going to be doing? Uh, you got, come on come on now, 121, right? So y'all can be reading Psalm 121. We'll be doing that in a couple weeks after Greg is with us. That's actually probably my favorite passage in the entire um, Old Testament. So just be reading ahead. Just kind of bathe your, your mind and your spirit in these psalms all week long. And then when we come together on Sunday... Uh, we will we'll engage and encounter God through these psalms of ascent so listen if you have a bible this morning either in print or on an app go ahead and turn it on open it up head for psalm 120 that's the first psalm of ascent that's where we're going to be camped out together uh, this morning let me let me pray for us as we begin God we step into this series as pilgrims on our own journey to you father And I know, again, in a room this size with folks even that are watching online, some of us for sure are on mountaintops. Things are going well. We had a great week. Uh, And so we come here, and we're on cloud nine. And there are others of us, Father, I know, um, who are walking through valleys in life. And this last week wasn't a mountaintop at all. It was actually uh, really dark and really scary and really depressing. And so we're all over the map, God. That's just a, a snapshot of what life is. And so we ask that through these ancient words, God, your Holy Spirit today would be active in speaking these truths into our hearts and our minds in a way that would make us more like your Son, Jesus. And we ask and we pray all these things in His name. Amen. Now, here's what you're going to notice as we begin this psalm. Uh, just telling you on the front end, it's kind of dark, right? It's kind of dark. And so if you came this morning looking for a bright and cheery sermon, better luck next week. Uh, Greg Greg Coco will will do that for you, I think. Um, But this psalm starts with the idea of distress, and it ends with the word war, right? It starts with distress, and it ends with the word war. But listen, our lives can be kind of dark, can't they, at times? Our lives can be kind of dark and challenging. The question for all of us isn't whether we're going to face dark seasons, clouds, storms in this life, the question for us is, how are we going to process, how are we going to navigate, how are we going to deal with those seasons when they enter our lives? And I think this psalm gives us a great roadmap for dealing with those seasons that some of us are walking in even today. And if you're not, praise God, but it may be tomorrow, or next week, or next month. And this is going to give you some tools to navigate those seasons of of life. So we're going to read the whole thing. It's only seven verses And then we'll go back through. We'll just kind of break it down chunk by chunk, digest it together. But let's read the whole thing together. This will be on the screens for you. The psalmist writes this, the first psalm of ascent. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree woe to me that i sojourn in meshech that i dwell among the tents of Kedar. too long i've had my dwelling among those who hate peace i am for peace but when i speak they are for war and so as you can see man we encounter this pilgrim in the first psalm of Ascent, and he is in distress and again i think this is something that we can all identify with hey Listen, just just by a show of hands, if your life the last I don't know, say two years has been perfect, problem free, and stress free, just raise your hand. I just want to want to come shake your hand after this is over. Okay, we got to honest. In the 9:15, nobody raised their hands either. Okay, so zero percent. Right? That means all of us understand this. All of us can identify with this. We all walk in seasons of distress. When listen, guys, when life. Doesn't always turn out the way that we hoped that it would. when health challenges creep in, with, when, when relational friction creeps in, when financial worries bleed into our minds and cloud our thought processes. Now, th- I don't know if this is surprising to you, it's surprising to me as I dug into studying for this series, but isn't it surprising that the people of God sang this psalm first on their pilgrimages? To meet God in Jerusalem. That they, they would choose a, a song of distress as the first one that they sang on the way to worship God. Now, most of us, I think, would would probably choose uh, we'd start the road trip out with like a happy, cheery little jingle or something. Most of us, right? We'd we'd probably pick like the song Happy by Pharrell Williams, or if you're a child of the 80s, maybe walking on sunshine, or maybe don't worry, be happy. Uh, by Bobby McFair and something like that. But they don't. they don't. They don't start with just kind of a happy, clappy, cheery song for the road ahead. They actually start with almost a psalm of sorrow, of lament, of distress. And here's why I think they started their pilgrimages with this kind of song and not a super happy one. We'll get to those later in the series. But here's why I think they started with this one. Listen, guys, if we never take our pain to God, We end up trying to deal with our pain in our own strength. And do you know who's terrible at dealing with their pain in their own strength? You are. You're terrible at it, and so am I. Do you know why you're terrible at dealing with your own pain in your own strength? Because you're not God. Do you know who makes a pathetic God? You do, right? You make a pathetic God. Stop trying to be God. So, So do I. And yet, and yet, our tendency so often as human beings is, hey, hard time comes in our life pain enters into our life the dark clouds roll in and we go god listen i got this appreciate you big dog but i think i i can handle this i'm gonna i'm gonna think my way out of this i'm gonna reason my way out of this i'm gonna logic my way out of this i'm gonna manipulate relationships around me so i can get out of this i'm gonna drink my way out of this i'm gonna eat my way out of this i'm gonna netflix my way out of this and what happens over the course of weeks and months and years and decades is we can wake up one day way down the road and realize that all of our pain and all of our distress has only stacked up and it's like a dam that has a huge crack in it. And it's getting ready to burst and just crush us under the weight of a tsunami of our pain and trauma that we've accumulated through our life. And praying and singing our distress to the Lord allows us to begin the healing process by inviting the healer into our mess. Do you see how important this is in our lives? Do you see how critical and practically useful this kind of thing is? So, so what does that look like? You're like, okay, Chris, that sounds, that sounds great. I need some tools to deal with the hard seasons of life. But practically, what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think the psalmist gives us four really helpful, four really practical, four really beautiful steps that we can take. When we hit road bumps in life and face distress in our life, okay. So let's just kind of go back through these seven verses, break them down. I'll give you those four steps to the road map, and uh, and then we'll be done. All right. So verse one says this: In my distress, notice past tense. I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Now I want you to notice what the psalmist is doing here. He's remembering back. What he's doing is he's saying. I can remember back there have been seasons of distress in my life in the past and each time I called to the Lord in the past I can remember he answered me he delivered me like maybe not in the way that I wanted maybe not even in the timing that I would have chosen but as I look back at my life he has never failed me and so here's step one to overcoming the distress of life number one christian remember the faithfulness of your god remember the faithfulness of your god recount the answered prayers from last week and last month and five years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago the times when god came through for you and heard your distress and answered you listen church family we are so quick to forget and slow to remember this is why I think the, the the people of God in Old Testament times had this beautiful practice. It's called uh, called stones of remembrance. So, if you've read the Old Testament a lot, you've encountered this concept before. But the people of God in Old Testament times, whenever God would deliver them or perform a miracle or answer some really cool prayer in their lives, they, they would actually build these stone structures called stones of remembrance so that one day when their kids or their grandkids said, hey, what is this? They would recount and remember the ways that God had, had intervened into their lives, right? Hey, let me tell you, this stone structure, this is the time that God delivered us out of slavery from the Egyptians, Well, what's that one, Dad? What's that one, Mom? Well, that's the time that he parted the Red Sea and freed us and then wiped out all of our enemies. It was amazing. You should have seen it. What about that one? That's the time that he saved my marriage when my marriage was on the rocks. Well, what about that one? That's the time that he healed my kid when the doctor said there was no hope. And see, friend, what I'm saying to you this morning is that's the first step to overcoming the distress of life is remembering the faithfulness of your God in the past. Listen, y'all, if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful again. Now, I want to give you this. If you're a note taker, write this down. This will be on the screen for you. This is kind of almost the big idea of the whole passage this morning. Here it is. God's past faithfulness fuels present hopefulness. God's past faithfulness fuels fuels our hope in the present as we look back and we see his character, not only in our lives, but through the centuries and generations of God's people from the beginning of time. God is faithful. We can count on him in the present. He's got a great track record. And as our psalmist remembers the faithfulness of God in the past, it encourages him to begin to pray. Notice he says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Listen, friend, when you don't know what to do, when the dark clouds roll in, run to the one who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. Let me ask you a question. What's your first instinct when it hits the fan in your life? Don't answer out loud, just think in your mind. Like, what's the pattern in your life? You get the, the bad news, the, the diagnosis from the doctor. You, get, you check your bank account, you know, whatever it is, right? When things aren't going well in your life, what's your what's your first instinct? Is your first instinct, man, I got to get alone with God. Man, I just need to get out in the woods, my Bible and a notebook. I just need to be with God. I need to sit in his presence. I need to hear his voice. Or is your first instinct, man, let me figure this out. Let me let me let me see if I can think of my way out of this one. And understand this, man, I, I, by no means am I casting any stones at anyone because far too often my instinct is to fix stuff in my own strength first. And what the psalmist is teaching us is that's a fool's errand. And the psalmist is reminding us the power is in the prayer. And that's step two that he's going to give us in this whole journey, this, this map of how to navigate the distress of life. Step number two, pray to the one who never fails us. So remember his past faithfulness, but engage him in the present. Go to the one who never fails his sons and daughters. I love how he says, when I call, he answers. Do you see that rhythm? I call, he answers. I call, he answers. I call, he answers. Now listen, we, we all got that one highly introverted friend who never picks up the phone when you call, right? Right? You got that friend? Maybe you are that friend. (laughs) And that's because, and I can say this as an introvert, that's because they're thinking, why don't you just text me, you big moron? Unless somebody is dying, just send me a text. Why are you calling me, right? But we all got that friend. Maybe you are that friend that never picks up the phone. Well, listen, God isn't like your introverted friend. He always answers when you call. He always answers. And so, friend, what the psalmist is encouraging us to do is go to the Lord. Don't try to handle it in your own strength, right? Call to him because he is faithful. He will answer your prayers of distress. I love the way uh, 1800s pastor, London pastor, Charles Spurgeon put it on the screens for you. Uh, Spurgeon says this, at all times, in all trials, for all our needs, to the throne we fly in prayer. That good? It's just a reminder, man. Yes, let's remember the faithfulness of God in the past, but let's not forget to come to him today in the present engage the spirit of god and sit in his presence because we all need it now the question then becomes like well why why is he so distressed like clearly this guy this brother is in a world of pain a world of hurt what's got him so worked up well he tells us exactly why look at verse two he says deliver me O lord from lying lips from a deceitful tongue What shall be given to you, and what what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? Listen, have you ever had someone lie to you or lie about you? You ever had that happen? Have you ever had someone uh, slander you perhaps behind your back, start the, the whole rumor mill behind your back, smear your name? Man, I have. It hurts. It hurts. It cuts deep. Right, Our hearts can bleed for a long time Years, decades even With this kind of wound that, Listen y'all, the old nursery rhyme A lot of us grew up with, sticks and stones Can break my bones but words will never harm me That is a load of hot garbage Man it just is and If you have kids Don't, don't, don't repeat that to them <laughs> That's a lie Words wound Lies make our hearts and our souls bleed In fact, I I would just guess if I could sit down with coffee with almost everybody here in the room watching online, you could probably trace back some wounds, and and you might even get emotional or tear up about something somebody said to you years ago. Maybe decades ago, your dad, your mom, a careless word. And it's still, you think about it, and and it just kind of, that wound opens up and you begin to bleed again. Now you might be there right now, this moment, people lying about you, Slandering you, gossiping about you, if you're in school, on a college campus, even in a workplace. So some of you, man, you you know exactly what this brother's talking about because you're there right now today. But even if that's not where you're at right now in life, we are certainly living in a time where our broader culture is lying to us every single day, right? Selling us meaning apart from God, selling us love apart from God, selling us satisfaction apart from the ways of Jesus. Whether it's in the area of relationships or sex or money, career, power, you name it, apart from the perfect plan and purpose of God for the flourishing of his sons and daughters. Lies, deceit, every single day of our lives. We encounter these things and they leave wounds. They create scars. It reminds me of the, uh, the classic uh, Christmas movie. We watch it with our kids every December um, elf, And I, if you haven't seen that, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to uh, go, go watch it. Uh, Will Farrell, man, is just this great, funny, hilarious character. And there's one scene where he discovers this Santa Claus guy at the mall is like a fraud. And so he calls him a fraud and a, a fake. And he tells him he smells like beef and cheese, which is awesome. And then he says the, maybe the best line in the whole movie, you sit on a throne of lies. I, like, I love that. I could go back and watch just that little video clip again and again and again. Now listen, yeah, you know, like, that's kind of funny, but that's our world. Like, like that's our culture today, like a like a throne of lies and deceit that we're just being sold and fed every single day of our lives and lies wound and deceit cuts and we experience that both in our culture and from people that we that we know, maybe at school or workplace, neighbor, family, whatever it is but listen here here's the benefit of distress in life here's the Here's the positive here's the the silver lining. Distress can drive us to the Savior. Distress can, can drive us to the Savior. I love this quote by, by John Trapp, 1600s, a theologian. Uh, this will be on the screens for you. He says this, Distress adds wings to our devotions. Our Savior, being in agony, prayed more earnestly. So do all his people, and especially when they lie under the lash of a lying tongue. Listen, when in distress, friend, Allow it to drive you to the Savior. Pray to God. As the psalmist says, I called on him and he answered me. So friend, call on him and wait for his answer. Look at verse three again, it says this. What shall be given to you? What more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Now a broom tree, you may not know this in ancient times, was known as the hottest and the longest burning coal available, right? And so for, for the psalmist, this is really, I think, kind of a almost a confession of sorts, where he's saying, God, listen, the, the arrows of lies have wounded me. The deceit of, of burning coal has left me with a, a gaping wound, but now, God, now, God, you shoot back with the arrow of a warrior. You shoot back with the, the glowing coals of the broom tree. In essence, here's what I want you to see he's doing. The psalmist is he's trusting God with his pain. He's entrusting his pain, his wounds to the one who can do something about it. He's pressing in ultimately to the justice of God, which is going to free him up and free us up from the snare of bitterness and the weight of feeling like we have to seek revenge in life. He's saying he's saying God will have the last word. That's what he's saying. God will have the last word. You you can wound me with the arrow of your words, but understand this, the final arrow will fly from the bow of the Almighty. And it brings to me at least the the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the, the believers in Rome. This is Romans chapter 12 on the screens for you. Paul writes this, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals. Does that sound familiar? Straight out of Psalm 120, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, Overcome evil with good. And so what I want you to see right there is the third step in this roadmap to overcoming the distress of life, number three, is to learn how to trust the God who is both A, a compassionate father to his kids, but also B, and just as importantly, a just warrior. Now what I want you to see with that church family is, listen, you may be walking through a season of pain, doubt, of frustration. I want you to hear, hear me say this. He sees your wounds. You have a father who sees your wounds. Moreover, he feels your pain. And understand this he will have the last word. The final arrow will fly from his bow. And so, Christian, son, daughter of the king, rest in that. Choose not to live in the prison of bitterness or revenge. Understand, God's got you. Rest in him. Rest in him. This is good news. Now, the psalmist is going to continue as he kind of kind of exposes this raw part of his heart. In verse 5, he says this man, and just, just feel the weight of his words, the, the tone of the sorrow. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech and that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Now, you should know this. Meshech was a, a far-off tribe that's located in southern Russia today. Uh, these were, were folks that, that were not a part of the nation of Israel. They were people who were distant from God, heathens we might call them, pagans. And then Kedar was actually a, a wandering desert tribe of barbarians. And so so really what he what he's saying here is: God, I feel like I'm surrounded by savages who who hate you and who hate your people and who hate your ways. Like, God, I feel like this is not my home and I want out. Let me just ask you, do you ever look around at our world, the pain and suffering and sorrow and injustice of our world today and feel the same way that the psalmist felt all those years ago? And when he says, man, when he says that, that, that term, woe is me, man, this is an expression of deep soul pain. Like this, this is real. This is raw. This is him saying, God, I'm, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling weary in the land. I'm fi- tired of feeling distressed and misunderstood. And yet, do you notice what he's seeking in the midst of his pain and his sorrow? What is he seeking? What's he after? Peace. He's after peace. Where is he seeking it? In God's presence. He's going to the only place that he could find and you can find and I can find lasting supernatural peace, and that is in the presence of God. And that's the fourth and the final step in the roadmap of overcoming the distress of life. Number four, seek peace, friend, in the presence of God. Now, listen to me. This is, this is important. You're, you're not Listen, you're not going to find peace in another self-help book, okay? If the first one worked, there wouldn't be 10 million of them on Amazon right now. Okay. So save yourself some time, save yourself some money. you're not going to find lasting peace in the next self-help guru or the next social media influencer that promises to solve the riddle of life and give you inner peace, right? You're not you're not going to find lasting peace by binging the next cool show on Netflix. Listen, lasting peace in the midst of chaos is only ever found in the presence of the Lord. Only ever found in the presence of the Lord. I want you to look at it. This will be on the screen for you. Uh, Philippians chapter four. This is Apostle Paul writing to these believers. Paul writes this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, we just talked about, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is. And the, what? The peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, this is supernatural Peace. This is not self help book peace. This is supernatural peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, so li- listen, friend, when the dark clouds roll into your life, when the wounds seemingly will never stop bleeding, what do we do? The psalmist just gave us the roadmap. First of all, we remember the faithfulness of God in the past. We pray to the God who never fails us. We trust in the God who is both compassionate and just, and we seek peace in his presence. He is our shelter, our fortress, in times of need and distress. Now, as I warned you, this this psalm could, at first glance, feel dark. But here's where the light begins to, to break through. I want you to think about this. Who embodies this psalm perfectly? Who experienced this perfectly? Did Jesus not experience unimaginable distress in the garden the night before he went to the cross? Did did he not experience unfathomable pain and suffering as he hung on a tree for you and me? Did he not endure evil words, have his reputation smeared, taste in justice though he was innocent a stranger in the very world that he created and is king over all listen y'all, Jesus lived and breathed this psalm to a T and by his cross and the empty tomb that we celebrated last week, we too now can experience peace with our creator and and peace within the chaos of our circumstances and distress in this life So as we begin to to land the plane, let me just ask you this question. What's this psalm telling you to do? Ultimately, what's this psalm telling you to do? This is what I would argue it's telling all of us to do. Take your mess to the Lord. Take your mess to the Lord. It's encouraging us to, to run to him. To stop trying to to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Stop trying to right all the wrongs that have been inflicted on your life. Listen, y'all, that is an exhausting way to live your life. Rest in the one who loves his sons, loves his daughters, the one who will have the last word. And let's learn to trust him. Let's learn to sing to him through the pain because one day when we see him, face to face that will have all been worth it let's pray and then we're going to celebrate what Christ has done for us in a tangible way as we take communion together heavenly father my my confession I think our confession confession as a as a group as a faith community this morning would be God that life life is hard <laughs> life is hard just like we saying a minute ago there are Mountaintops, and we praise you on those mountaintops. But God, mountaintops are almost always followed by valleys. Shadows and hard times and confusing circumstances, God. And yet we know that your presence is with us equally on the mountaintop as it is in the valley, God. So would you help us in those moments when we're facing the trials of life and the hardships of life when... Something cuts us deeply when we're wounded in our hearts and our souls. God, would you help us to remember back to your faithfulness, God? To look at your track record, not just in our life, but God, to look at your character and your track record throughout time and history, that you're a God who is faithful, that we can stake our lives on you, that we can place our trust in you as we remember back to the ways that you Constantly have delivered us and delivered your people throughout the centuries. God, would you remind our hearts to pray to you, to come to you, not as a last resort once we've tried everything in our own strength, but God, help that become our first instinct to just learn to call on you. That whole sequence, we call, you answer. We call, you answer. God, help that become second nature to us as we walk through the trials of life. We come to you knowing that you're going to answer our prayers. Help us to trust you with our pain, with the things that have been inflicted on us. God, would you free us from the root of bitterness? Would you free us from the weight of feeling like we have to make things right or seek revenge against anyone who maybe has wronged us or hurt us or wounded us or someone that is close to us and loves us, God? Free us up from that, God. That's slavery. That's not freedom. Help us to trust that you are compassionate father but you're also a just warrior you will have the last word and you will defend your sons and your daughters help us to rest in that help us to trust in that God and then would you help us father to seek your peace would you remind us that we cannot find this inner peace in anything that the world tells us We can find it, God. It's not gonna be found in a relationship. It's not gonna be found in the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or making that perfect salary or living in that dream house or driving that brand new car. Whatever it is, God, whatever we think is gonna give us inner peace and satisfaction, would you remind our hearts that ultimate peace is only found in your presence and nothing else. So God, would you help us prioritize our lives and our thoughts and our actions around seeking your peace in your presence. Would you be honored now, God, as we celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us? It's in his name that we ask, we pray. Amen.